Welcome to the Warrior Women Project podcast, helping you become a warrior woman, sort your shit and find better balance in your life. Hi, it's Warrior Women Jen here from the Warrior Women Project podcast and today I have had a couple of technical issues with my recording so I've had to glue a few bits together so I apologise if it's a little bit disjointed but today I have with me the very amazing Claire Bennett. I met a few years ago now through a mutual acquaintance and we went for coffee one day and I was just like oh she's got so many good stories and very fascinating and we've connected through social media a few times in the past and we also did a TEDx talk together Mm -hmm. a couple of years ago which I don't think ever ended up on their website because the college that did it I don't know what happened, it just never appeared. So we both know that we have done TEDx talks. There's just no actual technical evidence of such an <laughs> event. <laughs> so Claire, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Love She's actually here. in my house, which is very cool. And we've already like spent almost an hour chatting, going, oh my God, that's podcast gold. <laughs> I hope this comes back up in conversation. But what will come up will come up. So how Absolutely. are you today? I'm wonderful. Yeah, I'm absolutely wonderful. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. Um, I love the conversation that we've had so far. I'm looking forward <laughs> to having more. Yeah, definitely. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what it is you do in this world? Sure. So, um, so I'm Claire Bennett and I'm a coach and a facilitator and also a speaker. And the things that I'm really, really passionate about are developing healthy relationships with ourselves and with others, and also using that as a tool to create social change. So at the moment, I'm running two lovely groups, two weekly groups, called Self Love Club and Authentic Connections. And in addition to that, I'm also running some monthly workshops on the topics of self-love yoga, who am I? Which is a creative exploration of our most authentic selves, mm. and also setting limits lovingly, which is a workshop around boundaries. So you can see that there's very much a theme to to the work um, that I'm doing. It's about personal transformation and how we how we connect with others. So all this came about because. I wasn't doing any of those things before. Um, I reached a very low point in my life where over a a few years I had a series of health crises from the physical to the mental and the emotional and the spiritual. So those experiences very much led me to a realisation that I wasn't living my life in line with my values, I wasn't living my life in the way that I wanted to and I decided to change everything um, <laughs> everything. so over a period of years I changed everything from my diet, my lifestyle how I thought how I expressed my emotions how I connected with myself how I connected with others and I learned a lot of things along the way and I was supported through those times by people and I promised myself that once I got better once I was in a state where I was able to support other people, I promised myself that that's, that's what I would do. Yeah. I believe that we can often find our purpose in life through our pain, should mm-hmm. we choose to connect with it and experience it fully, and it can actually act as an amazing tool for transformation to build us into more resilient human beings when, when, we, when, when we do that. And I believe that 
you know, like I was saying, we, we, we can find we can find a purpose in life yeah. um, through doing that. So I've learned that we can create social change when we speak from our hearts, when, when we talk about things, when we open up, when we share, when we feel confident and secure enough in ourselves to show other people who we, who we truly are. That's something that you and I were talking about earlier on, yeah. before we before we started the podcast, and I really I really feel that because what what I've really noticed in my own experience is that it's just been mirrored externally in society where a lot of the things I was experiencing I notice I notice that are out there. So that's why I have cultivated a sense of kind of courage to to speak up um, and to share things in an authentic way, yeah. um, so that I can support other people and offer a wee bit of hope because I was saying to earlier as well when I was at a really low point in my life I was I was really quite desperate you know that I was I was in so much pain in so many different ways that I was desperate to get better and I was desperate to cling on to stories of hope and inspiration yeah. and I think that's one of the, the massive positives with social media with the internet is that we can reach out to people and access support um, and we can access that hope and that inspiration rather than feeling like we're isolated and we're on our own. And that's that's something that I really love about, about this podcast is um, that seems to be what it's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely what I want to do is get people to share their stories mm-hmm. so that other people know I'm not alone in this. Yeah. Other people are struggling and have overcome it. Other people have experienced XYZ mm-hmm. and have come out not always smelling of roses, but you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't always have to be shit. People can be in pain, whether it's emotional pain, physical pain, whatever, and that we can get good. We can get good from it, but it's yeah. you have to. For me, I definitely think you have to face that pain. Yeah. To work out what it is, where it's coming from, and then work on change. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you just get stuck in that cycle mm-hmm. all the time. Did you find before you? You obviously have come through a lot of different things and we've spoken about that before we came on and we'll get to some of them. Do you find that even now you come up against pain that you have to make changes or do you find that now that you've made the bigger changes that everything seems easier? Um, I mean, I, I, I think a bit of both. Um, you know, I think sometimes I see people um, sort of promoting things online, um, and it's it's all. I think people are quite keen to find this magic pill that's going to mm. stop everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I naively, when I, when I started to come into the sort of personal development movement, I thought that there would be a time where I would just be fixed. Yeah, and I was quite disappointed when I discovered that that wouldn't actually happen. Um, <laughs> so damn it. <laughs> so for me, like now when I experience pain, it's not as overwhelming. I understand now because mm-hmm. when I say experience emotion, emotional pain, you know, difficulties when I would feel emotions. And that, and that that's the thing I mean honestly like we're human beings we're, we, we're here for an emotional experience we're here yeah. to experience emotions but I think society teaches us some um, unhelpful things around what it means to be a human being and what it means to that we're not supposed to feel emotions or if we feel emotions we're weak yeah. or if we express emotions we're weak so I think 
It doesn't really teach us how to be emotionally intelligent and understand the emotions that we're having. So when I used to feel things, and I feel things very, very intensely, I'm a highly empathic person, so I used to feel things and it would just be so overwhelming yeah. that, and I didn't know how to, to feel them, that I would just push them down. You know, I, I would. It was almost like I sort of opened a cupboard door inside, and I would just say, "That can go in there, <laughs> and the door can get closed, and you know, that's it going out of sight, out of mind." Mm. But of course, we know that that's not how things work, and yeah. things need to be processed. So now it's not that. It's not that I don't feel anything, or that I don't feel any pain now, but I'm far more well equipped to support myself I know how to ask for support from others I know yeah. how to support myself I know how to hold space for myself and I know how to ask people to hold space for me so now I, I'm, I'm just far more well equipped and more emotionally intelligent and I think when we haven't expressed or felt our emotions for years and then we finally do it can sort of be like a volcano yeah which is, which is what happened to me. I'd, I'd really suppressed and repressed my emotions for years and years and years. So when I finally did let myself feel them, it was absolutely, completely overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and I, it was as though I'd sort of opened this tap and everything just came flooding out. And I, I just thought that that's what my life was going to be. I thought I'd broken my head. And that, that this sort of, like, <laughs> you know, emotional turmoil would, would just keep flooding and flooding and flooding and flooding. But it didn't. It stopped. Yeah. <laughs> it stopped. So now when I feel things, I'll take space, I'll allow myself to cry, I'll allow myself, because I never ever cried for years and years and years. Yeah. No, I thought, crying is a sign of weakness, don't cry, bottle things up, that's the strong thing to do. And yeah. that's utter nonsense. Mm -hmm. And I think we are, as a society, becoming more aware of that. I think arguably that's something that perhaps affects men, generally speaking, maybe maybe more. And I've seen a lot of fantastic um, YouTube videos and a lot of like, courageous men speaking out about that. Um, there was a really good Australian um, advert that said, it takes balls to cry or something <laughs> like that. And this really sort of like manly, manly um, Australian voice, which was which was great. And it, sh it showed pictures and clips of men, of men crying. Yeah. I think these things are really healthy and important and I want to be part of that movement. I yeah. want to be part of the part of the solution, not part of the, the problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What would you say was your biggest influence over the last couple of years and particularly making your changes? Um, I mean, I, I, de I definitely took inspiration from, from other people, um, I, but I think I think most importantly, like I, I started to really listen to myself yeah. more, so I'd always... I, I, again, I mean, I think a lot of the stuff that I do is is look look for reasons why why things have happened. So, like, I think in terms of our social conditioning, there's there's always something in there that can give clues as to why we are the way that the way that we are. Um, so I, I really I really looked to sort of understand me, understand how the world that I had been brought up in and what I had learned, and very much went through a process of unlearning mm -hmm. um, so like I studied community development at, um, at university which definitely um, gave lots of opportunities for critical thinking and for critical thought, challenging the things that we've been told, asking the question why a lot, 
Because actually, when you look at um, children, children are natural critical thinkers. They're always asking why, but we sort of get that taught out of us that we're supposed to listen to the adults who know best in our lives. And while you know that can be helpful in some ways, what it does also teaches is that what we think doesn't count. Yeah. And I think that creates. Um, human beings who are quite disempowered mm. because we sort of learn that our voices aren't important and shouldn't be heard yeah. um, we learn that experts know better than we do about ourselves um, so I think that um, I, I, think, I think that is, 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 is definitely part of, part of the issue but in terms of um, to, to answer your question a bit more um, fully so, I mean, some of the people that I reached out to, um, one person was Ruby Freeman, who's a who's a, a coach, um, and she was talking a lot about self love. She has a, a group called Self Love Tribe, and I I, de- I definitely connected with her story because she was very open, she was honest, she was authentic, um, she, about emotional well being, about emotional expression, about caring for herself, and I de- I definitely um, felt quite hopeful when I would. Yeah, connect with, with some of her content. She spoke about um, being stuck in the victim mentality and yeah. how we get out of that and taking taking you know control of, of our own lives. So I, th- I think I think the people that are that are out there available for um, to access content about that this ins- that provides inspiration and offers hope is really useful. But really, the, the sort of biggest shifts I experienced were usually on my own. Yeah. When I was just sitting journaling and talking, talking to myself, and listening to myself, crying. I remember listening to um, oh, an amazing um, Nina Simone song and just having this right, this sort of feeling of um, releasing. You know, I was yeah. I was crying, but it felt like you know I was really letting go of a lot of the pain that I had experienced in my life and I really was enjoying the experience of crying and it felt really liberating and I felt as though these weights were being taken off my shoulders and I felt this heavy and it did feel like a a lovely feeling of of kind of letting go it's hard to say what the sort of biggest thing was because it happened over a a number you know a a number of a number of years um so yeah, there's, there's there's been lots of um, experiences. I also went to Thailand to um, participate in a vegan cycling festival, um, which was quite a significant um, experience for me. Cause it was around about that time that I made the decision not to drink alcohol anymore. Yeah. Um, so I'd stopped drinking alcohol. I went vegan. I flew over to Thailand and was cycling up um, this mountain. Um, some people were doing it every day. I, I, I only managed it every second day. I was surrounded by these people who were incredibly fit and healthy, um, and I had I had never experienced that in like uh, before. My, yeah. my my kind of group of friends like to um, we all like to kind of get wasted and party and yeah. stuff like that. So I'd never actually been surrounded by a group of people who were properly fit and healthy, and they felt really vibrant. Their energy really felt alive, and it was really beautiful. Um, so I decided that I wanted to I wanted to get fit um, because around that time I'd had the the physical health crisis where I suppose it might be useful for people to hear that about what actually was going on. I had a physical health crisis and I'd, um, I was diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis. Um, I had um, experienced adrenal fatigue. Um, also 
depression for, for years and also an anxiety. So, so those were those were some of some of the things. It's almost were, like your whole body's just falling apart oh, yeah. and pieces in front of you. Yeah. While still being held together by something going, you need to fix me now, I need help. Yeah. But you don't ever want to get to that extreme state. No. I mean obviously I did the same thing with my Crohn's, I ignored the small signals of exhaustion, etc, etc, mm. until my body went, no, we're going to stop you now, you are mm. going to deal with this. Mm. Um, so obviously part of me getting people on to share the, the stories when they've had that more extreme is to hopefully mm. encourage people not to wait till it gets really, really bad before they sort it, but if it does get really, really bad, there is a way out and things can get better. I think something that human beings what I've observed is we're quite good at ignoring the mental and emotional signs that we're not doing well. Yeah. I think those tend to come first. Yeah. And I think we're very good at ignoring them. Uh, we push through, we work harder, we you know, have some caffeine or whatever it is we, we do to get ourselves moving forward. But it's usually that when when we reach that physical crisis point, yeah. that's when things are actually really, really bad and we, we pay attention more to the physical than we do the mental and the emotional, which is really, really interesting. I mean, the rates of mental health, mental ill health in Scotland are actually really high, um, yeah. but people, I don't know, like, it, uh, people don't seem as, like, outraged or surprised as it's just almost accepted as a part of life, whereas... If everybody, if a third or or a quarter, however many people it is um, that are experiencing mental health issues, if you know a third or a quarter of people in Scotland all with a broken leg, is that, is that not something that we would be paying attention to? It's a really high number. Yeah. Is there something about our culture, our society, about the way that we live, um, that makes it harder for us to be healthy and well? And, and I, th- I think I think that's I think that, that's the kind of crux of it. Um, that, that, that generally speaking, our, our culture isn't particularly um, healthy um, yeah. in, in lots of different ways. Yeah, because I think it's particularly we live in the west of Scotland that it's something's going wrong, or just have a wee drink to fix that. Mm. The British attitude generally is a cup of tea will fix that. Mm-hmm. It's the stiff upper lip. It's the put the brave face on and bury all the emotions, which mm-hmm. and with the mental health problems that are now coming up, and the suicide rates have seem to continually be increasing mm-hmm. it's like this is we need to start paying more attention to this because people need now that it's been more widely recognised as a problem it's like right now this is where we need to start yeah. taking action to support each other Yeah, it's not rely on the doctors in the white coats like we were talking about before we mm-hmm. came on it's mm-hmm. not relying on the people that have been to medical school or ever mm-hmm. to come up with all the solutions and mm-hmm. all the answers because they're human too Yeah, they're having their own mental health problems they have their oh, own yeah. and if we're as a nation going to them going please fix me, they're all going to have breakdowns because they can't, there isn't enough of them no. to look after us so we then need to find that sense of community mm-hmm. and look out for each other to help mm-hmm. each other so people that have been through the mm-hmm. harder times can go right I can help you to somebody who's maybe really struggling right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, arg- arguably, like, if we were all fully self-actualised, um, empowered human beings, we wouldn't need experts. We, we, yeah. we, we, I mean, obviously, there are certain things that if you were 
if you're in a car crash or whatever, or you're, you know, there's certain things you would need to make a contention for. But I think in terms of like psychological services, if we were all empowered whole human beings um, that were emotional intelligent and had skills and tools that we could use to support ourselves and each other, there wouldn't be there wouldn't be the mental health issues that, that we have and also there wouldn't be such a reliance on experts. Because actually, you know, a lot of skills used in counselling are things that most of us could easily employ more of in our lives in terms of like listening, um, active listening, not just um, sitting and waiting for someone to stop talking so that you can say your piece, mm-hmm. but actually yeah. like listening um, and giving that person their attention. That's one of the most beautiful and valuable things that you can really do is give somebody your, your full attention because it's very rare that it happens and I always really appreciate it when people truly listen to me um, and I like to try and offer the same thing to them. Yeah. I mean, my, my yoga teacher says we've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. Yeah. 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 So you need to listen twice as much, talk half yeah. the amount. Yeah. I, th- I think the need you know, I think that we need to kind of talk or to butt in or to dominate conversations. People are just trying to feel important and you yeah. know, they're just trying to feel valued and when they don't maybe feel that in other areas, or other areas of their lives, they will try and get that attention, that love, because really that, that's that's what we want. Like that's yeah. Behind our every motivation, every behaviour or thought or feeling, behind it is... You know, every bit, I heard this amazing quote, I can't remember where it came from, um, possibly Rumi, I'm not sure, but every action is either an expression of or a request for love. Yeah. So everything that we do, we're either giving love or we're wanting to receive love. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that as human beings. You know, that, is, that is one of our, our needs, to feel loved, to feel cared for, to feel noticed. Um, and I think we need each other to do that, but arguably, you know, some of the, again, societal messages we are, that we're supposed to do everything ourselves, um, so we, we, we do, we, 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 need, we need each other, and, and we need to take responsibility for our own lives and be, you yeah. know, empowered human beings, but part of that is about reaching out and about connection, yeah. which is a big part of all groups that I run, is offering people uh, a space where they can drop the mask and speak from the heart. Because when I was really unwell, that's what I was looking for. I was looking for a group like that. I was searching, I couldn't find anything. And yeah. I, th- I thought to myself, why doesn't why doesn't somebody start a group like that? You know what, I can't believe there's not a group like that that exists in Glasgow. And then I thought about myself and I'm like, oh, you're a person, Claire. You, you, you are a person. You have worked with groups before. There's no reason why you couldn't um, start a group like that. So that's really where it came from was uh, a desire to access something like that myself and realising that it, it wasn't there um, and I, I do believe the way that we communicate in those spaces is different than what we generally experience um, outside so it's, it's like a facilitated space where I encourage people to to open up and speak from the heart and, and I, I, I do that first of all and that's, that's an amazing thing that I really learned on my journey is that when we have the courage to go first we're giving people the permission to do the same Yeah. because often in conversations people can be sitting wanting to say something but they, they don't because maybe they feel like the, the conversational landscape isn't 
isn't as such that what you've got to say would be would be welcome. Um, so we can sometimes sit in like silence and um, but actually once you know once once you just speak and say things as you see them, really speak from the heart. Um, it's, it's amazing the changes and it's amazing the conversations that I've had with people I wouldn't have expected to have those types of conversations with yeah. um, over over the years and it's become much more interesting and much more like fulfilling yeah yes, you're not then sitting talking about the weather and kind yeah. of fill the air with small talk because if you can just have mm-hmm. an honest and open conversation with somebody it makes that connection better yeah do you ever think that there's too much information being shared from some people um what generally or, or the group or generally generally do people share too much um information about themselves do people share too much information about um i think it's more the way that it's shared maybe or like the intentions behind sharing it like um, being authentic isn't about being 100% transparent and telling absolutely everybody every single thing that's ever happened to you. Yeah. Um, it's about being intentional. It's about if, if it's about it's about sharing from a place of empowerment. It's about sharing from a place of choice. It's not about sharing from a place of feeling like we we need to or we have to or or looking for like attention as such. Um, yeah, for me, I don't know that it's about sharing too much. I mean, I've, I've shared some really personal information about myself, about my journey, about having mental health issues, physical health issues, my relationship with alcohol, my relationship with my dad. I, I've, I've shared a lot of really personal things online, but doing that felt empowering, it felt liberating. Yeah. It wasn't like... It, it was coming from a place of... Like strength and, and wanting to wanting to create change in some way, rather than from a place of neediness. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, yeah. Th- I think I think so. Um, so I, I do I do think I do think there is there is a, a difference. But I suppose when I when I first started being more open, I hadn't I hadn't maybe found that like centered voice. Yeah. So maybe things. Well, not maybe things definitely <laughs> came out a bit erratic or a bit all over the place at first because I was having to learn a whole new language of of how to communicate. Yeah. Um, which I didn't I didn't have those skills before. I mean that's that's something that um, you know you and I have been talking about before before we started recording around um, about around the part that alcohol played in my life. So as as someone who was very emotional. I used alcohol to, to numb a lot of that and when it, when I stopped drinking there was this sort of emotional backlog um, that came flooding out. Um, it was yeah it was it was, it was really pretty overwhelming um, because I had I'd numbed things so well so when, when I first started to, to speak it was almost like I had to learn how to be in social situations because yeah. I would always rely on alcohol to make myself feel numbed or to um, something to kind of hide behind. So when I start, when I stopped drinking alcohol, and then I almost had to learn how to meet new friends. I had to learn how to communicate with people. Um, so all all that kind of stuff was challenging, and through that, I definitely um, things would come out quite clumsily, or I would say, or that I had offend somebody because I didn't quite have the language. Yeah. 
and now through practice and making mistakes, <laughs> seeing shocked faces and thinking, hmm, maybe, maybe there's a better way of saying that, Claire. Um, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. I think it was quite confusing. I mean, I had someone who was quite a good friend of me saying, I, I thought, I thought you were, you'd lost your mind. Like, I thought you were, because of some of the stuff that I was posting online, the ways that I was interacting, that, you know, that, that we were really quite worried yeah. um, about me. But it was really me just almost bursting out and saying, Okay, I, I cannot hide anymore. This this is who I am, and I don't really care what 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 people what people think. I just need to be me because not being me in the world is, is making me really really unwell in yeah. lots and lots of different ways. Yeah, so some people maybe identify with what you went through as like a spiritual awakening. Mm. And have other friends who have like they were one way and then they started on this spiritual journey and they went way off the scale at the other yeah. end and then had to find a way to come back to somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. of it's not that I can't say these things to people but people will society is built in a particular way that if you one of my friends had had an interview with somebody and she had mentioned that she believed that she was a spiritual being from another planet that had come here so they picked up on she had said that she was an alien and then that was in the press and that was in the news and she's like I don't really care that people think that, but I've had to find a way of explaining it in a different way that people don't think I'm a, a fruit loop from another planet, mm-hmm. that I am a spiritual being in a human body mm-hmm. and I'm going through this whole process that where I felt so disconnected mm-hmm. and I'm now trying to find a way to be more connected to the earth and the life that I'm now living. That's, yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Well, you know, when, when we commu- if we're communicating about things that other people don't understand, yeah, that can be challenging. That can um, lead to there being barriers and connection. And I, I think it's amazing that human beings can understand each other at all, really, because we all live, you, know, we we all we're all living in a different world from each other, you know. Yeah. So the way you experience the world is very different than the way I experience the world. So if I'm talking about the way I experience the world and it's different to you, then perhaps that may be challenging for, for us, us to communicate and understand. We all um, understand different words differently. So I, I, again, these these things can put um, sort of limitations in the way. And that's why communication seems to be such... It seems to be quite a, a quite a difficult thing for human beings yeah. um, to do, it and it can cause a lot of problems. And all, all the places I've worked, without exception, there's always been some sort of difficulty around um, communicating. Yeah. So that's why I, I try and practice compassionate communication, and I've, I've developed um, tools in which it makes it easier for me um, for me to communicate with other people um, because. Uh, I, I think I think it's something that most of us struggle with. Is I, I think it's something that we could all um, benefit from practicing more as, as our, our communication skills. Yeah, it's probably something that's completely missed in the whole education system. One of many. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one of many. I mean, I think there's been a lot of great changes in the education system actually, and there's there's been a lot of new things introduced, and I, I do believe that this is just all part of the evolution and that things are getting things are getting better um, but we'll, we'll see what happens next yeah definitely so you talk quite a lot about for people to be able to connect with their authentic self yeah what do you mean when you say authentic self well I suppose 
Well, as, as, okay, so as human beings, um, we're, we're social creatures and being liked by other people is, is important to us, um, is, is, is arguably part of what we need is to feel connected to other people. But what we often do is we, we people please and we sacrifice the connection that we have with ourselves for the connection that we have with other people. So we, well, for, for my, my, my particular journey, I would um, morph into lots of different characters depending on who I was with, yeah. um, and I was very good at that. And that actually brought me a lot of fun. Um, you know, there was, was, was lots of different um, areas of my life. I was a Sunday school teacher. I'd also um, go out and take a lot of drugs at the weekend. So there was, there was these like um, you know very very different um, very extremes. Extremes, <laughs> yeah. Um, so so that that's quite interesting, and that actually brought me a lot of joy being able to in those different circumstances and experience different things. Brought a lot of variety to my life. But ultimately what I was doing was people pleasing and I was changing myself depending on what people wanted from me or what I, what I thought people wanted from me. And when we do that, we kind of abandon ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is part of us inside that knows we're not being authentic, that knows this isn't who we really are. So in order to connect with our most authentic self, we need to feel what that feels like. So something that I noticed when I would observe how I behaved in certain circumstances with certain people, I would notice, okay, when I was talking to that person about this particular thing and saying those particular words, something inside was going, uh uh-uh, that isn't you don't really you don't really think that, you don't really mean that. And then there was other times that I would notice when I was speaking to someone and I'd be in the flow and I'd be speaking from the heart and something inside was going yeah yeah you know it was it was like really cultivating emotional intelligence has been absolutely massive for me and that's part of that journey that we do have a sort of inner something people different people call that different things but an inner knowing of who of who we truly are Mm -hmm. and when we really start to pay attention to that we will feel the difference we'll feel the difference when we're being authentic and when we're not we'll, we'll, we'll feel it so for me that that's that that's that's how I have cultivated a sense of 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 who I am, of asking myself deeper questions, of going inwards, of journaling. I mean that that's perhaps another way you could look at it as well. Is like, who are you when you write when you're writing to yourself? Mm-hmm. Who who are you? Yeah. You know, when you don't think about the words, you just let the words flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're not performing, when you're—I mean, another thing, another thing that we do a lot is um, in society is there's lots of different roles that we play. So we play role of I don't know, like a mother or a daughter. We play a role of our job, whatever our job might be. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's really important for us to connect with our, our values because and, and to connect with our authentic self. So we might be in a job that actually doesn't give us an opportunity to express really important parts of ourselves so like I've, I've known someone who was um, who was a really creative person but they were working in a corporate environment and they didn't really have a lot of opportunity to express that creative side of themselves yeah. so, so there's something like untapped there um, I believe that's why it's important that we try and find fulfilling, heart-centred work that is in line with our values, that the roles that we do play in society feel good for us, yeah. rather than um, pulling us or pushing us in directions in which don't, that don't feel like aligned to, yeah. to, to, to who, we, who we truly are. 
So I think that, that authentic self is, yeah, who, who we are when we're not, when there's no expectations on us, when we feel free enough to say how we really feel without fear of, of judgement, yeah. that is our, our most authentic self. Yeah. So if somebody was listening to this right now, what would you say would be the best starting point for them? Um, I, I actually, I, I think, I think it's, I think it's different for everybody, and I think we need to find the way that works for us. Yeah. So, what I do is I share what works for me. Um, it's, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite hard to think about because. For me, it wasn't like a sort of linear, you know, this happened and then that happened and then I changed this. Yeah. It, it all sort of was a bit of a, a bit of a mishmash. It was all, it was all very, very messy. But the things that have helped me are listening to myself and um, through journaling. You know, when when I write down, I can have conversations with myself. Yeah. I can say, and that's really about how we how we cultivate this connection of, of self love is that we. Um, that we, that, yeah, it's, it's like a really, it's like a relationship that we have with ourselves. So we have an opportunity to get to know ourselves, to notice how we speak to ourselves. Um, but but really, really actually listening, listening to ourselves, listening to what we want. Um, ask, asking ourselves questions. How do I feel right now? How do I feel right now? Yeah, that's an amazing question that you can ask yourself all day. And in all situations, so happy yeah. situations and not happy situations. Yeah. So that you're tapping in all yeah. the time. How do I feel making this cup of tea? How, how do I feel? How do I feel having this conversation with this person? Yeah. How do I feel sitting down on this couch? How do I feel going for a walk? How do I feel sitting in nature? Um, I really feel at my most authentic self when I'm out in nature. It yeah. makes me feel so alive and so nourished and so cared for. So, I, th- I think people need, need to discover and get really curious about themselves. Mm, yeah. So, if you were starting in a relationship with somebody, um, and it's at the start, and you've just met them, and you get really curious about them, say, oh, what do you like to do, and what are you interested in, or do you like this type of film? We start to get really curious, and I think in order to develop a healthy, loving relationship with ourselves, with our authentic selves, it's about getting to know ourselves, it's yeah. about asking what do you enjoy doing? What lights you up? What are you interested in? Mm. And listening to that response and trying trying things out. Yeah, I think curiosity is something that we're not curious enough about. Mm. It's, yeah, we're so tuned into watching TV, getting up, going to work, doing as we're told, and getting into this cycle and not thinking about what actually makes me feel interested, what actually makes me feel alive, what what am I curious about? Because you hear so many people talking about you have to have a passion mm-hmm. and you have to be so passionate, follow your passion, but so many people don't know what their passion is because yeah. they've never been curious. They've mm-hmm. never been encouraged mm-hmm. to be curious because they've maybe gone to nursery or something when they've been younger and sat mm-hmm. in the corner and told you must play with this and be interested in that thing there or you're a boy so you've got to do this you're a girl you've got to do that which is a whole a whole thing that's around just now about gender equality and gender fluidity and Mm -hmm. all all this sort of stuff Mm -hmm. 
do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> oh, like, I, I, actually, I actually think all these things are like massively positive, particularly around around um, around gender. I think it's really fascinating, and it seems to be a very liberating movement where people are expressing themselves more yeah. rather than in these two boxes. You're either male or you're female, and if you're a male you're supposed to do these things and if you're a female you're supposed to do these things. Um, I definitely found that um, quite limiting but I was very fortunate that my mum encouraged myself and my brother um, to express ourselves in a way that felt good for us. So arguably, I, I was, I, mean, I still am quite in touch with my masculine energy and um, my brother is maybe quite in touch with some of his, his feminine energies. Um, and my mum really encouraged that. So we didn't live in a household where there was very clearly defined gendered yeah. um, roles. But obviously we did grow up in a society that, that had them. And those limitations have imp- impact all of us, you know. Yes. You know, directly, indirectly, subtly, not so subtly. I think the movements that are happening at the moment um, are really inspiring and really, really interesting um, to watch where men and women are having more of an opportunity to, to express um, to express themselves in a way that feels good for them. Because there's a big difference between male and female and masculine and feminine. Yeah. Um, you know, male shouldn't equal masculine, um, female shouldn't equal feminine. Yeah. Um, so... Again, that's another that's another like societal uh, constriction that, that we have on ourselves. Um, if you know another another role that we play, even just our our our, our you know our experience of being a woman, means there's certain things that are more socially acceptable and socially unacceptable for for us to do. Um, so that's really an interesting an interesting change that we're witnessing and a really positive one. Um, yeah. a really, really positive one. You know, part of me sort of wishes that I'd had an opportunity to, to live in those in those times. Um, but there's always you know, there's always lots of things um, for us to appreciate and feel gratitude for in our own lives. But I, I think I think it would be really interesting to be um, a young person at this at this time um, in yeah in the evolution of the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think every every generation has their own challenges and every generation has their own benefits. I mean, we're of a generation now that's the last generation to ever know life pre-internet. Yeah, but yeah. Somebody said that the other day and I was like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Like, you just, you mm-hmm. forget that there's kids these days that have grown up with mobile phones in their hands. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I was 18 before that came about, yeah. before it became the norm. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, that's mind-blowing. But I'm yes. really glad that I know a time before the mm-hmm. internet. But like you, I'm really curious as to how the future is going to develop with yeah. the internet being available to somebody mm-hmm. from such a young age and how that's going to influence and affect the way that the world changes and develops going mm-hmm. forward. It's going to be an interesting journey. I mean, I didn't even have a phone in my house, like a, a house phone. Yeah. So, so, some some people did. Yeah. Um, but we, we 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 didn't actually. We didn't even have a house phone in the house. It's yeah. It's it's pretty. It's pretty hilarious. But you can imagine yeah. some people are like you don't have a phone in your house, but everybody has one in their pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I used to go to the end of the street and use a phone box. 
um, to, to phone my friends, you know. Yeah. Um, and you can imagine, like when we're when we're much older, we'll be telling these stories to young people that will just be like, "What?" You know, <laughs> I can't used, imagine. Used that. to have to go to the, the end of the street and use use the phone box. Yeah, social change, um, cultural changes. I think all these things are really positive. Something I'm really enjoying seeing much more of um, in Scotland is you know, people, more people talking about um, mental health. About and there's a really great recovery walk that's happening in September, um, that's linking to um, addiction recovery as well as mental health recovery, and. Uh, that that to me feels really positive because I think I think for a while people were talking a lot about um, removing the stigma of mental health, which is definitely really really positive. Yeah. But what I really love to see is more more um, talk of recovery. I mean yeah. that this is something again that we were talking about before we started recording. Um, but when we were both physically unwell, we were looking for stories of hope yeah. to show that recovery was possible. And I think in terms of mental health, I, I still think there's maybe too much focus on managing symptoms and not enough about looking at root causes. Um, yeah which are societal, you know, if there's like 30% of people experiencing in Scotland that experience mental health issues, there's something about society that perhaps needs to be rethought or examined or, you know, changed um, when, it's, when, it's so wide, when it's so widespread. But, so, so that's what I'd really love to see more of, is more yeah. talk of recovery, maybe people sharing their stories. So while I still feel sad sometimes, I still feel angry sometimes, I still feel confused sometimes, I don't I don't feel in that sort of like depressed state yeah. where I feel where I used to feel just really detached from the world yeah. and I lost interest in doing things. I, I, I don't I don't feel that. I, I can actually identify and articulate my emotions and understand where they're coming from and give myself space to to feel them because yeah. you need to be able to feel the sadness and the anger and frustration mm-hmm. to be able to feel the happiness and the joy and the yeah. love like yeah. as we mentioned I can't remember if it was in this in this recording or before that you need the contrasts you need the good yeah. and the bad to be able to understand the experience in it because one of the things I really struggled with vulnerability mm-hmm. and I had to go and research it to learn what it was to mm-hmm. understand how to fix that part mm-hmm. fix it but how to develop that part of mm-hmm. me because people kept saying to me you need to be more vulnerable and I was like I don't even know what that means I don't know how mm-hmm. to do that because it was a skill that I never had I always bottled things up I just dealt with things in my own way so I went away in a bed all Brene Brown's oh, work nice. and listened to everything that she had because she's looked at vulnerability from the more academic research point mm-hmm. of view rather than from the woo-woo, airy-fairy, you just mm-hmm. need to share all your feelings kind of way. Mm-hmm. And that made sense for me. It was finding mm-hmm. the person, getting that search of the person yeah. that could give me hope of, right, I can understand this, I can do this from my terms mm-hmm. and be able to share it in that way. Yeah, that, that makes that makes perfect sense. Yeah, what we do need to find the person that whose message um, connects with, and I think I think who connects with the way that we feel. I think that's that's one of the amazing things about the internet actually, um, is that now more people feel that we can have a voice and that connection um, can can happen. Um, obviously, there are challenges um, with that, and you know, internet can't cannot substitute you know sitting with a, another human being. That's part of the reason why I wanted. To 
to, for us to do this together and live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because I think we can you can then feel the other person's energy and there's yeah. eye contact and things like that. And I, I do think I do think that that really really helps. Um, so with yeah with the internet, you know, there's, there's there's massive massive positives with it as well as as well as um, as well as some challenges, obviously. But I, th- I think you make a really good point about vulnerability, and you make a really good point about. Um, about this sort of selective feeling of feelings, so I think mm-hmm. we seem to want to feel the joy and the love and the happiness, but we don't want to feel the sadness and the, the, the sort of pain. But what I've definitely learned is that you can't selectively numb. Yeah. So you cannot numb your pain without numbing your joy. You can't yeah. numb anger without numbing um, your love. So a lot of the the ways in which we choose to numb, which are you know. And, and again, like some of these things are, are socially unacceptable, and some of them aren't. So people can be addicted to maybe like their, their phones, to, to social media, to Facebook, to um, drugs and alcohol, to sex, to gambling, to food, whatever it is. Um, often we've all got or overworking. Um, so there's lots of us that have different things as, as a way to sort of cope, as a way to sort of detach ourselves from. From, from ourselves yeah. so that we don't just sit and feel rubbish I mean recently I had a day where I, I'd sort of felt some emotions um, sort of building up and I just sat and I just felt awful all day but I, I, I allowed myself because a couple of days prior I'd had um, some things on so I felt like I didn't have space enough to do that and then once I had a space to do it I said right I'm just going to sit and feel really shitty all day and I did um, and I woke up the next day and it felt like something had shifted because I just let myself feel bad yeah. um, and then that allows it to be processed rather than always sort of trying to run away from yeah. the kind of difficult feelings which can be very tempting to do it's the easier <laughs> option sometimes well it feels like the easier option at the time but in the long run it's actually yeah. the harder option because those emotions that you've suppressed like you said earlier when you stop drinking they then erupt Oh, yeah. at some point and usually they erupt at the most inappropriate time <laughs> where yeah. you're just like I can't have a meltdown right now oh okay so I'm having a meltdown right now mm-hmm. shit <laughs> and then you're crying about 25 the challenge and experiences instead of just the one the one yeah yeah and and that that's and I think that's why people run away from feeling um, because because often when it gets to the stage where they're crying they are crying about lots of different things rather than just as, as things come up just letting yourself feel okay this is a difficult thing I mean the object of life isn't to get to the end without having felt anything yeah you know what what sort of life life is that um, that's not one that I want to live I mean a lot of a lot of our feelings um, can actually be really enriching into yeah. the life experience I really enjoy crying now you know, it's something that I actually really enjoy because I feel like I'm releasing something, I feel like I'm processing something. It feels real and it feels authentic. And I think other people look really beautiful when they cry. They look very, like, real. They look, yeah. raw, they look real and raw and I really I really enjoy that. Yeah. No, I don't enjoy sitting most people cry, but <laughs> I enjoy... <laughs> weirdo. Um, but I enjoy, I enjoy seeing people, like like full and real and fully expressed I, I do think people look really beautiful in yeah. that state and then you know that once you've let the sadness or the anger go you're going to get the contrast on mm. the other side of it and you mm. can feel that and experience that 
in that real that real way. It's mm-hmm. not a dulled down version because you've dulled down it's opposing. Yeah. That's so that's so true. And once we feel the, the more challenging emotions, there's then space for the other more positive emotions that feel feel nice. And yeah, I mean there's chemicals that are released when we cry and things like that. Yeah. It, it, it is a it, it's it's a healthy cathartic thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I could speak out to you about this stuff all day, yeah. but I don't know that people would listen. Oh, right. So you mentioned your workshops and things that you have. How can people yeah. find out more about where and when they're on? Sure. Um, so I do have a website, which is um, clairebennett.scot. Claire doesn't have an I, and um, Bennett's two N's and two T's. Uh, .scot. I was quite chuffed because I was one of the first people to get a .scot, a .scot yeah. um, extension. Um, at the moment, I'm running groups in Glasgow on a Thursday evening. Um, called Authentic Connections and also Self Love Club and some of the workshops that I've got coming up over the next few months are around Setting Limits Lovingly and also Who Am I which is a creative exploration of our most authentic selves so you can find information about that on my website or you can email me which is connect at clearbennett.scot I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff as well so yeah so something like I've, I've spoken about today resonates Feel free to get in and to get in touch. Um, I know what it's like to to be struggling. I know yeah. what it's like to want to make changes, and what it's like to be, have gone through that process. So I'm definitely I'm definitely here if people want, would like support with that. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll put all the links to your social media and your website and everything on the show notes so that okay. people can just go to them and then click straight over to you to connect with you if you want so thank you so much for being on today's podcast this has been so good and I do definitely love doing them in person because it's more a flow conversation so that was my podcast interview with the very lovely Claire Bennett thank you so much to Claire for taking the time to first of all come over and hang out with me at the house we had such a great conversation before the, we recorded the podcast and then an equally great pod, uh, conversation when we uh, oh, for goodness sake when we recorded the podcast so if you loved that podcast do as I always request pop over to iTunes and give us a five star review or over to SoundCloud and hit the little love heart share the podcast with anyone that you think might benefit from what we were chatting about in the podcast and remember it's not for my ego it's just for other people to be able to find the podcast if it's recommended by people so thank you so much again for listening have an awesome day whatever you're up to and I will speak to you on the next podcast